Hey guys, how's it going? This is Dan Schultz, and this is episode 92 of the Basketball Dan podcast. I know I usually started out by saying this, but it's been about two and a half, three months since I've done one of these. As said, usually when this happens, it's just uh, because I get busy with work. Uh, in this case, we're already getting to work on the new NBA 2K21 game. Uh, I, I say new, even though it's not coming out till next September. Uh, we've been very happy with uh, the reception NBA 2K20 has gotten so far. Um, you know, I always see, I, I will say, I always see low reviews uh, from like fans and stuff like that for NBA. Two, but it's not just NBA 2K20, it's really any sports game. And I really feel like it comes down to like, people getting upset that they don't make certain shots and like they think it's the game's fault that they are that they suck at the game or something like that because like if you actually play the game the right way and you actually take smart shots not against three people like you're you know trying to pull a kobe or something it's really a pretty easy game to to be good at so but that's just my half-baked theory i don't know if that holds any weight but um you know in terms of the critical reception that NBA 2K20 got really, really good reviews, and um, I think I saw a report that it's sold about 9 million copies worldwide so far. It's probably grown since then. Uh, that was like a few weeks ago. So anyway, we're already getting to work on NBA 2K21. Um, I have not done a podcast since the NBA season started. We're about a, a quarter of the way through the season. So I thought I would just kind of give my, uh, my thoughts on the, the season so far who I like, uh, who I don't like, kind of surprises, disappointments, all that stuff. Um, one of the main storylines so far, because obviously they're a big market team, has been the, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers uh, being 21-3 and so far uh, in this season. I think that's the record, 21-3. and Let me double-check that. Uh, yeah, 21-3. and Obviously, they added Anthony Davis. Uh Dwight Howard to the mix. Uh, LeBron is looking motivated and, and is playing defense for the first time in like three years. Um, I will say this half jokingly because I'm sure I do have some listeners out there that are, are Lakers fans, and I'm not saying this is all Lakers fans, but um, I'll just say one of my good friends is a, is a Lakers fan, and he has never been more, more annoying. Uh, he, he was one of those Lakers fans that, that trashed LeBron James throughout his entire career, said he would never be Kobe Bryant, and, uh, you know, basically called him everything under the sun, that he wasn't, that, you know, that he, he wasn't even a top player, blah, blah, blah. Same thing with Dwight Howard. When Dwight, Dwight Howard left the Lakers, he was one of those Lakers fans that called him soft, called him unmotivated, called him, you know, this, that, and the other. And the fact that like he as well as other Lakers fans that did that are now cheering for both LeBron and Dwight Howard, it's just, it's amazing. It's just like, I'm not saying this goes for all Lakers fans, but there's definitely a good portion that are guilty of this description. And it's just like, I, I, I term it as an identity crisis. It's like, oh my gosh, you guys literally trash these guys for years and now you, now you have to cheer for them. So I, I am loving that from a being I'm a Spurs fan and uh, we're rivals of the Lakers. I, I am enjoying that uh, identity crisis, as I, as I said, from a, man, I know I trashed these guys for years, but now I have to, oh, uh, I don't know. I guess if we win, uh, I, I don't know. 
So anyway, I mean, the Lakers are looking good so far. It's early in the season. Um, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not wishing this upon them or anything, but Anthony Davis has had issues staying healthy for an entire year. Uh, LeBron is going to be 35 soon. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have to deal with a big injury and uh, cope with that and, you know, suffer a little bit of a, of a, a letdown at some point, maybe midway through the season. But, you know, so far they are looking very good. Uh, obviously, Dwight Howard. If you look at Dwight Howard's numbers, by the way, everyone was acting like he was like garbage and stuff. And it's like if you actually like – just because he played on teams like the Hornets and the Nets and teams – the Hawks, no, you know, teams no one was watching, he was still putting up good numbers. I mean, if you look at, if you look at his stats – I mean, he was fine. So, like, everyone acting like this is, like, the dwight Assance or whatever, the Renaissance of Dwight Howard. It's kind of like it's, – it's really just the big market effect. It's really just because just he's playing in a big market and just because people are watching. Now everyone's like, oh, he's back. It's like, what? He, he's been fine the last few years. He's just been – he's played in small markets and he really hasn't been on a relevant team. So I just find that whole narrative hilarious. Like, oh, he's back. Oh, my God. It's like, look at his stats the last few years. He was still putting up good numbers. Um, and, and speaking on that same, like, big market uh, uh, narrative and all that, as a Spurs fan, I find it absolutely hilarious now that uh, obviously Kawhi Leonard is on the Clippers. And um, he has gotten a lot of uh, crap for sitting out of games for load management um, because of his uh, knee issue, which I think is like, you know, it it might be a Brandon Roy kind of thing. I'm not hoping for that, but it seems like it's a a pretty serious degenerative knee, knee issue from what I've heard. I, I, I could be or or leg issue, leg, knee, thigh, whatever. But um, I do find it hilarious now and so hypocritical and so double standardy of everyone out there that criticized the Spurs and their fans in their final season when, well, the, the final season when Kawhi was on the team. Everyone, for the most part, I dealt with so much of this on Twitter, uh, from, you know, people I knew and stuff like that, that criticized the Spurs and their fans for them not being happy that Kawhi was sitting out, especially during the playoffs when we really needed him. And, uh, and everyone went, oh, come on. He's got to do what's best for himself. If he's healthy, he's, if he's not, if he's not uh, healthy or whatever, you know, he's got to do what's best for himself. Like, you know, you, you guys are just ungrateful fans because you've been spoiled for, with great players and now you're treating Kawhi with disrespect because he doesn't want to play. He needs to do what's best for himself. Those same people are now the same ones that are attacking him for sitting out of games uh, for the Clippers. It's hilarious. It's just so hypocritical. It's like you were the same people that said two years ago that, hey, stop being ungrateful. If, he's un- if, he's not- if he doesn't feel healthy, you know, he needs to do what's best for himself. And now those same people are saying, oh, this is a weak look. If he, even if he's not like 100%, he should still play. And you know what it is? It's the big market effect. It's, it's because he, he plays in Los Angeles now, and, and it's affecting money. It's affecting nationally televised games. That's why people are so upset. When it happened in a small market in San Antonio where no one was paying attention and no one really followed the storyline two years ago of what actually happened and made the Spurs out to be the boogeyman despite the fact that the Spurs turned over full coverage of his medical situation to his group five months before the reported 
misdiagnosis, which makes no sense because if we misdiagnosed him, you have full control of your medical situation, go somewhere else. So I, I just love it, it just goes to show once again that big market teams, obviously there's more scrutiny attached to them. But the hypocrisy in terms of this general story of load management and resting, these same people that are outraged at Kawhi sitting out games now were the same people that were saying he needs to do his best for himself. That was the narrative. And it was simply because they just weren't educated on the topic when he was in San Antonio. But now that he plays in Los Angeles and is in more of the spotlight and it's affecting ratings and uh, all that stuff, now it's an issue. I, I, just, I, I just think that's funny. That's all. So that's my rant on that. Um, speaking of like uh, the Spurs and, 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 and all that stuff, I'll, I'll keep it short. Obviously, you don't want to hear me talk about my favorite team too much. I've, I've been, I, I have not been happy with their season, obviously. Uh, they're 10 and 14. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, which is Basketball Dan, I, I have said, oh, they're 9 and 14, sorry. I have said throughout, the last year, I said I said around this time last year that they should look to trade Demar Derozan and Lamarcus Aldridge. Not because they're bad players; they're they're good they're good players. But in this day and age of nothing but threes and nothing but layups, why do we? Why are we focusing and emphasizing the entire offense on two mid range shooters? It, it just doesn't work. I mean, you saw the peak of that model last year. They were a first-round exit. They took the Nuggets to seven games. It was impressive. Sure, I guess. But it's like, is this team winning a championship? No. Are DeMar and LaMarcus young where you can maybe develop them into three-point shooters at, at some point? No. I mean, DeMar's 30. LaMarcus is 34. Both DeMar and LaMarcus have already – I mean, DeMar's going to be a free agent uh, this summer. And – it seems like the Spurs and him are far away on an extension. LaMarcus has already teased the idea of returning to Portland to finish his career. He said he's talked to Damian Lillard about it. I just don't – it's an interesting dynamic of I think this is Pop's last year, and I think the last couple of years you could make the case – and again, hey, I love Pop. He's my favorite coach of all time. In my opinion, he's the best coach in sports history, really, when you consider uh, what he did you know, with less – and won five titles in the tiny market of San Antonio compared to a lot of other coaches that have had, you know, big market amenities and, and star players and stuff like that that were already developed where, as in Pop developed his star players. But if this is Pop's last year and he retires after this year, it's going to be an interesting bookend to his career in the sense of it's going to be a legitimate question if he held the Spurs back in his final couple of years because he wanted to be competitive, quote unquote, Instead of actually trading Kawhi or when they got DeMar, DeMar and LaMarcus for picks and prospects and guys you can throw around, guys like Derek White, DeJounte Murray, now Lonnie Walker has shown flashes. I mean, I've been furious at Pop all year for not playing Lonnie Walker more. It makes no sense. Like, I get he's a 20-year-old kid. He's going to make mistakes. Like, there was one game where Pop trashed his defensive rotations and mistakes. But it's like, listen, uh, you play Marco Bellinelli, arguably – you know, a great shooter. And again, I love Marco. When we first signed him back in like 2013, 2014, I, I, I said he was one of the best additions they've ever, uh, they've ever had until he left and then he came back. But Marco is, just, Marco is not a good defender either. So it's like if you're going to attack Lonnie for that, uh, you got to look in the mirror a little bit and be like, okay, but why am I playing Marco more than him? I mean, Lonnie is much more explosive. 
The one game where Pop actually played him a lot was against the Houston Rockets, and Lonnie Walker had 28 points. So Pop's defensive rotation, not defensive rotation, Pop's rotations have made really no sense this year. Uh, he's really wanted to like remain competitive with DeMar and LaMarcus for the last year and a half or so, and it's like you're not even competitive. You're 9-14, and and even if you make the playoffs, like you're not going to win a title with this team. I'm sorry. Like, Love you, Pop. I love the Spurs. So it's like my theory, I, and it's not just my theory. I think he just doesn't want to go through a rebuild in his final years of his career, which is understandable, but it's like it's an interesting narrative in the sense of like doing what's best for the franchise as opposed to doing what's best for yourself and, and remaining at some kind of comfort level when you're just kind of keeping the team trapped in purgatory, so to speak, of this in this state of arrested development where – you know, you're you're either a uh, not even like a fringe playoff team, or like you're in the middle. You, you either want to be really bad, or you want to be good, because being in the middle is the worst. Because then you end up with like a mid tier pick in the draft, and you know, yada yada yada. So, uh, I haven't been happy with the Spurs season. Um, speaking of that Houston game, there was that whole story about uh, them protesting uh, their loss to the Spurs in that game. Uh, James Harden had a dunk. That like went through the net, but it like wrapped around. It looked like it didn't go in at first, but it definitely did go in. But the rest didn't count it. And then Houston like uh, uh, protested it and said that they should win the game on that technicality alone, which is hilarious considering the fact that if you actually watch that game, they got a lot of calls in their favor. Like James Harden stepped out of bounds at one point, no call. There was a backcourt violation. There was an over the back foul at the end of the third quarter. No, like if we want to play this game, we can do it all night. Like, but it just goes to show the mentality of like Houston for protesting that. It's like, how about not blow a twenty-two point lead in the fourth quarter? Like, I can honestly say, if this, if the sides were reverse and the Spurs were protesting the game, I, I, as a fan, I would be like, hey, how about not blowing a twenty-two point lead? Like, yeah, that dunk should have counted one hundred percent. But it's like, it doesn't matter. Like, you had a twenty-two point lead in the final quarter of the game and you blew it. I don't want to hear any. I, I don't want to hear a word out of you. That's the main problem. The dunk is a very small part of that that you know that problem. The main problem is you blew a huge lead. So and the NBA denied it, and and rightfully so. They said they disciplined the the referees from that game for missing that dunk. I don't know what that means, but um, <laughs> Houston is is always going to be one of those teams as long as they have uh, Harden and D'Antoni. That's you know a good regular season team, but I, I just I I never trust. Uh, those that team in the playoffs. I just I I have they they got to the conference finals a couple of years ago and they probably they might have made the finals if Chris Paul would have been healthy. But um, they're just a team that you know they're a fun regular season team. But I just don't see a lot of like structure. I just it basically seems like D'Antoni just tells Harden and now Russell Westbrook like yeah do whatever you want you know just take a lot of threes just just hurry it up hurry up offense that's all I want. So anyway, I thought that was a very interesting story too. Um, let's see. In terms of the uh, the favorite out east so far, I would still say the Milwaukee Bucks. Sixers have been kind of a letdown so far. It's obviously early in the season, but the uh, it seems like everyone forgot about the the Bucks. It's like you know, I know they they suffered a meltdown last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. They were up two nothing, um, and then they they lost four in a row. But I mean, you know, they're they're still a somewhat young team. And uh, now that Kawhi has gone to Los Angeles, 
I still think the Raptors are a good team even without Kawhi. And I said that everyone's acting so shocked like the Raptors are still really good. It's like, yeah, Pascal. I, I, I said all last year, yeah, the game. if you watch the Raptors, the games that Kawhi sat out, Pascal Siakam filled that, filled that production most of those games. And now he's taken another leap. So everyone acting like, whoa, the Raptors are still good. Oh, Siakam, whoa. He's really – it's like, yeah. That's – I mean, if you actually watch the games – this is what happened last year. And, like, obviously Siakam has taken a, another leap this year. But I, I don't know why everyone's acting like, you know, th- like shocked. Just, yeah, Kawhi left. But, you know, this is still a very good team. But, I yeah, I think the Bucks are the favorite out east right now. They've won 15 games in a row. And uh, Giannis had a great quote where he said, you know, in my rookie year we won only 15 games and now we won. I'm, I'm ad-libbing, but – uh, or I'm paraphrasing, but like, uh, you know, my, my rookie year, we only won 15 games and now we won 15 games in a row. So I still think the Sixers have a good chance of taking them out. Obviously the Celtics look good. Um, but I would say the the Bucks and the Sixers are at the, the top so far, but, um, you know, again, just cause the Bucks had a two Oh lead and they blew it last year. doesn't mean they can't come back and get to the final. I mean, Again, as a Spurs fan, I remember being up 2-0 against the Thunder in the 2012 Western Conference Finals. Then the Spurs lost four straight. And then the next two years, the Spurs came back and made the Finals back-to-back. So it's like, hey, I mean, don't forget about the Bucs just because they, you know, had a meltdown last year and they lost four straight. I I still think they're a very good team. I think they're the favorite out East. Um, Last thing I'll talk about, and I've I've talked about it a lot during the summer, but um, a lot of people are... Are very happy that Carmelo Anthony is back. Uh, he signed with the Portland Trailblazers a couple weeks ago, and his contract became uh, guaranteed for the rest of the year. Um, the narrative amongst NBA fans is still, when it comes to Melo, is still hilarious to me. I see so much stuff on social media about, oh, to all the people that thought Melo was done and that, you know, he wasn't good enough, like, take that. It's like, once again, had nothing to do with his skill level. It had everything to do with buying into his role. I don't know how difficult, like, why this is difficult for so many people. It had nothing to do, no one, I mean, at least I wasn't. I feel like a lot of people weren't doubting his skill level. But all these Mellow fans are like, oh, yeah, you thought he wasn't good enough. You thought he was, it's like, no, it had everything. He just still thinks he's the man and he thinks he should, you know, be shooting long twos all the time and just isolation clear outs for Mellow and that, you know, he like like it's clear so far at least we'll see if this is long term that he's bought into his role with Portland again it's recency bias the signing just happened so we'll see if this lasts a full season so far he's looked good I, I was not doubting his skill level at all it had everything to do with him buying into his role and realizing hey I'm not going to be the focal point of the offense but you know what I'm okay with that Again, I use the example of Vince Carter all the time. Vince was a star until he was about 31, 32, and then he had to adjust his career and accept being a role player. And he's played in the league now. He's still this is his final year. He's gonna be, I think he's 42 right now. So it's like there, there's evidence of star players that have taken that step back that have had longer careers as a result of sacrificing their pride. And now that Melo has done that so far. That's why he's back in the league. He, he made, you know. So anyway, I'm happy he's back in the league. Uh, um, we'll see if the Blazers can make a playoff. Well, not a playoff push. It's only a quarter of the way through the season. But yeah, it's an interesting fit. It's fun that he's back. And uh, I guess that's the, the final story I'll end with. Uh, 
I know I always say that, but I say this, but I will try to be back soon uh, with another podcast. Um, yeah, it's been too long, but uh, those are kind of my early season thoughts and rants and whatever you want to call it. So anyway, uh, thanks as always to those who are listening uh, and, and, and listening to, to this particular podcast. Basketball Dan is available on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud. If you could share, subscribe, rate it, I'd really, really appreciate it. It only takes a second. And if you can think of anyone that might like the NBA or movies or whatever, you know, whatever I talk about on the show, feel free to share it. And, um, you know, any feedback is appreciated to make the show better or whatever. You know, I love hearing from people. So anyway, that's the podcast for uh, today. And as I said, hope I'll be back very soon. Thanks. Bye.